everybody. Welcome to Christ Community. Thank you for joining us this morning. I am Tony and this is Mariana. Hi, yeah, it's so good to be here online with you guys. And I'm actually your online host today. So I'm right here in the chat if you're watching it on Sunday morning. And I would love to talk with you. I'm here for you. And if there's anything I can do for you, and maybe you need somebody to talk to or pray with. So please reach out. I'm here right now watching this service with you guys. And if you're watching throughout the week, I would also love to connect with you. So reach out for sure. And after the service, we have our digital lobby. We'll have the link to the rooms where you can stop by and just say hello before you leave. And maybe we can chat about the service and what it was like for you. You can maybe share with me where you're watching this from. You know, a lot of people watch from very alternative places. And it would be <laughs> nice to connect with you and see how your time was in the service today. We want to encourage you to take a look at the newsletter today because we have a lot of classes coming in the fall. It's going to be a bumping party uh, in person too, so you get some actual community there. Also, uh, at any point during this broadcast or during the week that you would like some prayer, the number that's on the screen right now is for that purpose. Text your prayer request to that number and know that we are going to be praying for you. And we also would like to thank you so much for your generosity. If you'd like to partner with the work of God here through Christ Community, there are several ways uh, where you can go and do that on our website, on the link below here. So we thank you for your generosity today. So some of you might be wondering why we are here in this space. Um, over the past, well, I don't know how long, when COVID hit, um, you've invited uh, us into your personal spaces, your living rooms, your kitchens, your bedrooms, um, your homes. And uh, today I am welcoming you into one of my very special places. So this is a local shop in town, a local tattoo shop. And we are here today because I want to communicate to everybody that I am going to be leaving the church staff team. Um, I'm starting a new chapter in my life and don't worry, nothing bad happened. Everybody always asks, you know, what, what this is it? You know, it was funny when I was talking to Pastor Alan about uh, what was on my heart. I said, Alan, I, I love the people I work with. Uh, I love what I do, um, but I feel like I have to go still. And um, it, it just didn't, it didn't make sense. And some parts of it don't make sense, but you know what? I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I will be pursuing um, the art of tattoo. I want to be a tattoo artist and, uh, uh, and a piercer. So <laughs> it's a new chapter in life. It's an area that has been an interest, obviously you can tell, uh, in my life uh, for a very, very long time. And, uh, and that's what this next season holds for me. Um, so I just want to thank you. Uh, for a lot of people watching, uh, I've, I've taught your kids. Maybe I taught you. Um, some of you now are in college uh, that I taught these 16 years I've been on staff at Christ Community. Um, some of you have your own children. Uh, thank you. Thank you for, whew, whew, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a part of your life and your spiritual journey. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Mm, we love Tony so much. And yet, if you have been coming to our church recently, he is the face of announcements. But as he said, he has worn so many hats throughout these 16 years that he has blessed us with his ministry. So I want to pray for Tony right now. I invite you to pray with me and bless him and also pray for this time that we'll have together now in this service. All right, Jesus, I just thank you so much for Tony. Father, he has been such a blessing to our church, to our community. And I'm so excited about all the, the other people that he will get to bless as he moves on to this next season. We bless him, we bless the work of his hands. And Father, we present ourselves to you right now as we come to worship you and to seek your face, Jesus. Would you increase our awareness of your presence and speak to us today, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Would you join me now in fixing our eyes and pressing into the Lord in His presence? 
just wherever you are, if you want to join me in singing out loud, or if you just want to give your heart to the Lord and begin to focus on Him, let's worship together. sing this out, these truths of who Jesus is to us. This is who you are to us. And we sing it with boldness. We sing it in love to you, with adoration of you. Holy Jesus. you 
fix our eyes on you, Lord God. Come meet us where we are now, God. Come meet us where we are, Lord. So you're worthy, Lord, you are worthy. Yeah, you Yes, you are worthy, Lord, you are worthy of your name, Jesus. So, Lord, we truly do, we long to fix our eyes on you now, but for just a moment, Will you come now? Will you speak to us? Will you captivate us with who you are? Be praised today, Jesus, in our hearts, in our minds, through our voices, through our actions today. But we fix our eyes on you now, God. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Welcome to Christ Community. So glad you were joining us online. If you haven't heard, we are beginning our in-person worship services September 12th and 13th. We will have a Saturday service at 4 p.m. and then two services on Sunday morning, one at 9 and one at 11. Masks will be required in the building, but we will also have an outdoor lobby for people who want to connect with each other. There are more details about that on our website, and of course, we will continue our online service for those who prefer engaging in that way. <clears throat> Several years ago, I attended a vocal worship conference in the area. I was leading worship at our church at the time, and I really wanted to grow in this area. So I was all excited about this conference with this Christian professor who taught vocal performance. I even paid extra to sign up for a one-on-one -on -one vocal coaching session with this person. I mean, it was like the chance of a lifetime. So I'm on the front row taking notes, and after the first session, I'm like, I don't really like this guy. And after the second session, I'm thinking, he is a jerk. And after, after my afternoon one-on-one -on -one session with him, I was like, I'm out of here. I don't even know if I want to do ministry anymore. I mean, I couldn't believe someone in Christian leadership could be such a self-absorbed jerk. And not long after that, we had a, a worship conference at our church, and we invited a guy named Paul Balash. He was amazing. His sessions were life-giving. I was inspired as a worship leader. So later on, I thought about those two very different experiences, and I, I wondered what, what made the difference. Both of these guys were Christian musicians, Christian leaders. So why was I repulsed by one and inspired by the other? Well, it didn't take me long to realize what it was. It wasn't content. It wasn't communication ability or musical ability. It was humility, humility. This vocal coach was so full of himself, so condescending of others, it made me want to puke. On the other hand, Paul Balash was refreshingly vulnerable and authentic. I was inspired. I mean, it's funny. Humility is not an attribute that gets talked about much in terms of influence or leadership, but it is something that we intuitively value. We are drawn to and inspired by people of genuine humility, like Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela. There is something innately attractive and influential about people of humility. But it was not always this way. In fact, in the ancient worlds of Greece and Rome, humility was viewed as a negative thing. The Greek word for humble meant, meant um, um, made low, and that was not a value. In, in, in the Greco-Roman perspective, a person's primary goal in life was to gain honor for themselves. It was to lift themselves up. So leaders in the ancient world, the Caesars, the emperors, and kings were all about power and, and uh, domination and self-promotion. But all of that changed with the appearance of a rabbi from Nazareth named Jesus. Both Christians and secular historians agree that it was the life and person of Jesus that completely shifted humanity's understanding of and appreciation of humility. So today, Christians and non-Christians alike admire people 
who are humble, and we don't like people who are proud. That huge shift in attitude is the result of Jesus showing us a different way of living. Now, here's what's truly fascinating. The first text in human history, in human literature, that connects greatness to humility is the text that we're looking at today. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul articulates the value of humility in our relationships. As we saw last week, Paul writes to the Philippian believers, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now, we read that and we think, oh, that makes sense, right? But we have no idea how revolutionary these words were in that culture. No one up to that point in history had written about humility in this way. To embrace humility as a value in relationships was so countercultural. Now, what Paul does in this passage, after urging us in verses 3 and 4 to walk in humility, what he does is then describe for us the person who caused this humility revolution. In one of the most beautiful, powerful passages ever written, Paul describes the humility of Jesus. And in doing so, he literally summarizes the entire New Testament. Our entire belief system as Christ followers is articulated in these six verses. And so, so I want to read this passage. And if you are able to close your eyes in a posture of reverence, I would encourage you to do so. Not only reverence for the word, but also for the one this word beautifully describes. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is God's word. Now, the challenge in teaching a passage like this is that there really is a twofold purpose in Paul's word. So on one hand, there is the urging in verse 5 for us to pattern our lives after the example of Jesus, to adopt a mindset, a posture of humility in our relationships. But then you also have this unbelievable description of who Jesus is and what he has done and the reward that is his because of it. So, so I hope that I can capture both of these facets of this passage. I don't, want it to, I don't want to make it all about us when it really is shining this brilliant light on Jesus, but I don't want to ignore the implications for us in terms of how we live our lives. So in this passage, Paul shows us three specific ways that Jesus demonstrates humility, three characteristics of humility. The first characteristic is being secure in your own identity, being secure in your own identity. So in describing Jesus, Paul says of him in verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. See, Paul is describing here the foundational truth that Jesus is God in his very nature, and he has always been God. Even before he came to earth, Jesus existed in the form of God. Now, we know this, this kind of stuff is, is hard for our finite minds to comprehend, but that doesn't make it less true. Jesus is God. The New Testament uh, repeatedly affirms this. I mean, one of the reasons that Jesus was crucified was because the, the, the religious or the Jewish leaders, because the Jewish leaders accused him of blasphemy, claiming to be God. So both his disciples and his enemies understood that Jesus claimed to be God. But what Paul emphasizes here is what Jesus did with his position as God. He didn't cling to it as something to be hoarded and used to his own advantage. In other words, he didn't let his power go to his head 
and try to use his power to show off his power or to gain more power. No, Jesus was totally secure in his identity. This is a mark of genuine humility. A humble person is, is secure in their own identity. They don't have to fish for compliments or tell you how gifted or smart they are. You know, when, when someone has to interject into a conversation some comment about their own accomplishments or their own expertise or their own knowledge or their, their, where they went to school or whatever, they're doing that for a reason. It's because they don't feel secure in their identity. So they need to let you know how successful or how busy or how gifted they are. They need you to affirm that because they aren't secure in their own identity. I heard a story about Sir Edmund Hillary, who in 1953, along with a Sherpa mountaineer named Norgay, became the first climbers to have reached the summit of Mount Everest. And after that, Sir Edmund Hillary became quite famous um, and well-known. So during one ascent years later, a group of climbers recognized him, and they asked if he would join them in a picture, in a photograph. He said, of course. And so uh, this group of people, they gathered around him, they kind of posed for this photo, and someone handed him an ice pick to hold for the photo. And so he, he, you know, so he grabbed the ice pick. Well, right then, a person was walking by, a person was walking by, and, and not knowing who Sir Edmund Hillary was, they said to him, you're holding that pick all wrong. And they went over and they actually turned the pick in his hands. Now, Sir Hillary had every right to power up and say, do you know who I am? I know how to hold a pick. I climbed Mount Everest for goodness sake. I was using a pick before you were picking your nose or whatever. You know, He had every right to point out who he was, but he didn't. He thanked the person and then he posed for the picture. He didn't need anyone to know who he was because he was secure in who he was. A humble person is secure in their identity. They don't have to let everyone know who they are or what they can do or have done or whatever. Now, now for those of us who have placed our trust in Jesus, Jesus gives us our identity as beloved sons and daughters. We don't have to prove anything to anyone. We don't have to earn people's acceptance and accolades. We are accepted by Jesus, which frees us to live and to love like Jesus. Well, that leads to a second characteristic of humility as demonstrated by Jesus, an eagerness to live for the sake of others. Last week, I quoted C.S. Lewis, who defined humility not as thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. The, the, the implication of that is that if we are thinking of ourselves less, we are thinking of other people more. Now, I love how author John Dixon just defines humility. He says this, humility is the noble choice to forego your status and use your influence for the good of others before yourself. In other words, humility is to leverage your power and influence for the sake of others, which is exactly what Jesus did. Look at verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus, in his position as God, had every right to be served by all of creation. But he chose instead to take on the nature of a servant, and he did this in the most incredible way. He became a man. Paul says here, being made in human likeness. Paul is describing the wonder of the incarnation that God chose to become one of us to become man, to take upon himself all the limitations of being human. I mean, when Jesus became a man, he suddenly experienced hunger and thirst and indigestion. He went to the bathroom. He slept. He walked from one village to another. He experienced exhaustion and stress, things that he didn't experience in heaven as God. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He chose to become a man. And here's Paul's point. That choice was an incredible demonstration of humility because of why he made the choice. He did it for us. He leveraged his power and influence by becoming a servant of all, by becoming a man and living on this broken planet, experiencing what we experience in order to provide a way for us to find life and forgiveness 
and freedom. Jesus became a slave in order to set us free. That's how he leveraged his influence. So how about you and me? How do we leverage our influence? Do we use our power at work or our position at work to gain more power, you know, to, to order more people around? Or do we leverage our power for the sake of others to elevate them? I was even thinking about this as it relates to our church. I mean, we're, we're one of the larger churches in, in this community, but my heart is not that we leverage our resources just so that we can get bigger. I want us to leverage our resources to help other ministries and churches succeed. I mean, that, that's my heart, but it is not always easy. Whenever there's a, church, a new church plant in town, I know we're going to lose people. We're going to lose people. We're going to lose people going to that who, who, who choose to start going to that church plant. And in my flesh, that frustrates me. Um, but when I view this through a Jesus lens, I realize this is awesome. This is awesome. We get to pour into another church by having some of our people go there. I mean, that's a kingdom win. The issue for me is what lens am I going to look at this through? The lens of you know, our church's numerical success, you know, as measured by the world, oh, look at us, you know, or through the lens of Jesus' success as measured by humility and leveraging our resources for the sake of others. Are we as a church, are we as individuals leveraging our influence for the sake of others around us? That's how Jesus lived, and that's how he empowers us to live. Well, the third mark of humility as demonstrated by Jesus, is this, a submitting of our will to our heavenly Father's will. Humility is not about asserting our will. It's about surrendering to God's will, even when it's really costly to do that. Look at, look at verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Paul is emphasizing not only Jesus' death, but the way Jesus died. He died on a cross, which was the most humiliating, shameful way to die in that culture. I mean, to hang naked on a cross for hours, fighting for every breath, while others just gawked and stared and mocked. I mean, total humiliation. And here's Paul's point. Jesus chose this. Jesus chose this. He chose the cross, not because he wanted to endure suffering and humiliation. I mean, the night before his crucifixion, Jesus prayed, God, if it is possible, take this cup from me. If there's any way I don't have to do this, let me know. But in that wrestling, his heart ended up saying to God, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's humility. Saying yes to God's will even when everything within us wants to do our will. I mean, notice the word Paul uses in verse 8, by becoming obedient to death. Obedience, that's humility. It is to choose to obey God even when we don't want to. It is to trust his good purposes, his heart for us, rather than our desire to escape pain or pursue immediate pleasure or whatever. I mean, it, it, it's hard to trust God with our, our sexuality, for instance, to say no to our desire to fantasize or to lust or to engage in sex outside of marriage or whatever. I mean, that's difficult. Everything within us, everything in our culture is screaming, go for it, you deserve it, no one will get hurt. I mean, what a lie that is. <laughs> All sorts of people get hurt. Choosing to go outside of God's will in our sexuality is an invitation to bondage, to shame, to the erosion of trust, the destruction of families and marriages, the personal and relational devastation of disobedience in this area is huge. You see, the humility of Jesus is an incredible example for us. He chose obedience to God the Father, even when it was really hard to do so. Now, here's what is so cool. Paul doesn't end this passage right there. He, he suddenly shifts gears to focus not on Jesus' humility, but on God the Father's response 
to Jesus' humility. Look at verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus' humility resulted in exaltation. God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Every knee will bow. Every person one day will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and is worthy of all of our praise and our love and our obedience. Now, now I want you to notice two things here. First, there is a biblical principle that Jesus exemplifies. As, as, as 1 Peter 5 says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. See, just as Jesus was lifted up in response to his humility, God promises to lift us up in response to our humility in due time. It may not be exactly when we want it, but our choices to live a humble life to leverage our influence for the sake of others, choosing to obey God, even when it's really difficult to do so, those choices will pay off in the long run. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Walk humbly with your God, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, which is the second thing I want us to notice. Paul's words here are not simply an exhortation to try harder, you know, to live more like Jesus. No, these words are to be an inspiration the more clearly we see and fix our hearts on the Jesus that Paul describes here, a Jesus of humility and love and sacrifice for us and glorious exaltation as Lord, the more we, we, we fix our eyes on, on Jesus as described here, the more fully he is able to live his life through us. Let your heart be captivated by this Jesus. Let him inspire you and fill you and transform you to live a life of humility, to share in his sufferings and also his glory. Let's pray together. Jesus, would you help us do that? We ask you to open our eyes and our hearts. Help us to see you in all of your humility and glory. Jesus, thank you that even though you are God, you did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather you made yourself nothing. You took the nature of a servant by becoming one of us. Being made in human likeness, you humbled yourself. You became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Thank you for doing that for us. And we acknowledge that you are exalted to the highest place and that you have been given the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We want to follow you, in humility. We ask for your help in doing that. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I cannot express enough how needed that message that we just experienced, a message that just causes our hearts to focus on Jesus, how much I needed that today. Um, and I just, I, I really, in a few moments here, I, I just want to lead us in this time of continuance of, um, I'm just gonna sing a couple choruses and the lyrics just being this continuance of give me Jesus, causing us to just continue to focus on him. But after that time, I, I just wanna open up and um, play for a little bit um, to give us time to just spend with the Lord if we just wanna be quiet for a moment. But I, I do just wanna encourage us to encounter him in that space. Um, before we get into that, I, I just, I really felt this on my heart this week and today. Um, I feel like I need to apologize. So in this time of COVID, 
our worship staff and the rest of our church staff has been thinking of ways to um, just kind of do church online. And it's been a reality for a little bit. And for some of us, we're super used to it. For others of us, like me, we're still trying to find our way in this. And um, I, I really do believe that during this time, I've been so focused on the to-do list of how to do it that I think I've missed, I missed the heartbeat of what our hearts are and what our vision is for worship in our church. And that's to encounter the presence of God, to give us space, you and I space, through music, through instrumentals, through whatever it is, spontaneous worship, for us to engage him, hear from him, pray to him, sing out to him, adore him, just everything that encompasses our hearts just being given to him in that moment because he's worthy of it. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're at the gym right now, if you're driving in your car, if you're cooking right now, whatever it is that you're doing, that you're finding yourself do right now, would you join me in just pausing and truly focusing our hearts to adore and to worship Jesus? So let's do that together.
Let's sing this out to him today. Let's sing this to the king of our heart. Join me in lifting him up. Sing all hail. with you. Thank you for being here with us together in this online experience. And as we end our time together, you're going to see a slide with different ways that you can continue to engage through prayer. You can text your request and through giving. You're going to see all that information on the slide right after we end. And click on that link that I shared on the chat if you're here on Sunday morning so I can see you and connect with you there in the rooms. I just want to leave you guys with a blessing. Um, church, may the God of wonders, man of sorrows, king of kings, may he walk before you and with you as you journey on through your humility. May he continue to be mysterious to you. bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.